Bamidbar, the book of Numbers, if it has one central theme, it is communication issues. Grumbling, ordering, obeying, happiness, communicating discontent, communicating intent. Miriam, Aharon, Moshe, Korach, Reubenites, last week with the Nazis, the princes at the end of the parasha, when they, some rabbis say, they wait to come to give their offerings to the Mishkan because they've been waiting to be asked. Anyone who's in relationships, a friendship, marriage, covenantal relationships, knows what that's like. Well, I was waiting to be asked. Communication issues. And all communication issues, I think, can be found in this book of the Torah. So today, one of the many things that happens is the elders, the 70 elders getting together to prophesy. They should have a turn prophesying, not just Moshe. And I usually remember that as those elders wanted power. They didn't trust Moshe and Aaron. It's like the Korah rebellion. And of course, when I look back at the text this week, I was wrong. This parsha starts with the designation of Aaron's family as in charge of all Levites in a very top-down structure. Moshe and Aaron at the top, so that we have an image of hierarchy, top-down leadership. But who is it that asks for the 70 elders to prophesy together for the future of the people? It's actually Moshe Rabbeinu. This initially becomes a communication issue between God and the people, or God and Moshe, that the people continually grumble and complain. The people complain to God, we're not sure what about, in Numbers 10 and 11. And so Moshe does tachanun. Moshe gets down and prostrates. Usually the effect of tachanun prayer, biblically, is to beg for consequence from God on your enemies. And God responds. He sends fire punishment. Guess what? It o- yeah, it is a wow. It only works temporarily. Big surprise when the top-down structure is punishment. That'll get the workers in line. Nope. It's immediately some grumble, and now it's worse. Now it's empty gullets, no meat, let's go back to Egypt. And God sends manna. And guess what? It doesn't help. So then we get Numbers 11, verse 10, the center point of my devar today. Vayishma Moshe et ha'am. Moshe Moshe, uh, heard uh, the, the nation, the people, a collective word. Not individuals, Moshe heard the people. And then the phrase, it's not ha'am boche, it's et ha'am. Boche lemishpachotav. Crying lemishpachotav. For their families, by clan as it's often translated, ish, an individual, lepetach ohalo, at the entrance of their tent. Vayichar af Adonai me'od. And God, Adonai, was very incensed. And in the eyes of Moshe, this was terrible. This was an evil thing. Now, Mishpacha is a collective identity unit. And I suspect that you guys know that word, Mishpacha. It is an identity that must balance with the collective identity, as it does in almost all priestly and temple discussions. In fact, Rashi says it should be read on account of their families, meaning their personal troubles were not being addressed. 
I'm going to tell you what I'm relating to the, this to in our day in just a moment. But remember that. Rashi, their personal troubles were not being addressed. Now, it is sadly, Mishpacha, I'm sorry to tell you, but the Torah knows this already, it is a competitor for collective identity, even today. People don't need synagogues when they can do a Seder, Hanukkah lighting, Rosh Hashanah dinner, sitting in the sukkah with family and friends. Even as is not unusual nor shameful today, people telling me that they only need the synagogue when the time comes for a bar by mitzvah regarding membership, identification. It's not transactionally thought of when someone tells me that they think of it as I can do this stuff with my family until I need a collective to process it. So I want you to think about this tent for a moment. Think of it spatially. Think of the tent spread out. Think of what you've heard about Matovu, what comes up a little bit later, very soon in Bala. The tent is your identity unit, and you're standing at the tent. Now, if what the, whole, the famous Midrash about Matovu coming up is, is that our tents don't even face the entrances of other tents because Jews respect each other's privacy. The entrance to the tents are a little askew. So there's the collective identity of being all together in the tabernacle, and then there's the field of tents. And the people are standing at each tent, and they're complaining. No one's, the, 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 the leadership's not respecting the problems that's going on in my home. And I've got to tell you, it reminds me of remote work. So this is a devar about remote work. It reminds me of Zoom, right? We're each at our own tent. We're each in our own tent. And we're ishes. We're individuals, right? And we're kind of calling out into the chat area, or we're working on Slack or Microsoft Teams or whatever these things are. We're sending out our messages. But the question is, do we have any kind of collective identity? And I'm not talking about those joining us by Zoom because you guys are precious and you are expressing your collective identity. I'm talking about remote work in non-Shabbat life, okay? I can see you at that tent. You can see me, or maybe not even because our entrances aren't faced toward each other, meaning I don't even have to have my video on. And we communicate by calling out if you're not unmuted or putting words in the chat area if others read them. It's almost like a motif of gossip, enough connection to spread grumbling, but not enough to stop it. That's what the Parsha is about. What's the consequence? God's angry. Moses is at the end of his rope. Top-down communication cannot work, whether giving perks to employees like mana, punishments like fire, doesn't work. Now, we all know that remote work started in the pandemic. We each retreated to our tents very, very biblically, and we felt it. Separation in the Torah starts in the wilderness, unlike the collective identity of some sort in Egypt. So can we produce in our separate tribes and separate tents? Well, we got a mishkan built. Sacrifices can get made. Like remote workers, we can each bring our offerings to the collective and then go back. Individuals and teams can make their offerings to the collective, but can, and can hierarchy be maintained? Sure, the high, corporate hierarchy, communication from the top, acceptance of directives. Of course, people can read and listen and hearken, employees can, but it's not the same as on Sinai. We will do, we will hearken, we'll listen, we'll do Mishkan building a year out, which Parsha says we are from that, it's falling apart. And there's a good reason for it. Because corporations, by and large, and institutions in general, particularly in America, have been deeply insensitive to, as Rashi says, the tzorot, the troubles, the mishpachotav, in families. 
unlike the Torah's directives that we do not follow, mandatory bereavement leave, mandatory family leave, mandatory maternity leave. We, I know people in my own life, just in the last month, can I get leave because I have an elderly parent who is in the ER and we need to figure out things? That doesn't really work for our clients and customers, and your presentation is tomorrow. So there's good reason for employees saying, you hierarchy up there have not been listening to the problems so far. But now has the pendulum swung for good reason, maybe, but quite a bit the other way. Are we suffering from a lack even in America and even in the institutions? Institutions are not all evil. We're an institution. I'd like to think we're not evil. How do you recover collective purpose when each at its own tent, complaining that we're not doing enough from them and I don't want to go back in person? You know what? If I can get all my work done in three hours at home, why should I be showing up for a fourth hour? You have something to tell me, you can communicate it. And it produces these ironic situations where, okay, I now need to respect your time off, but then if a client contacts you and they turn to me, your supervisor or manager, and I respond, then I've undermined you. I've undermined your position with the client because I stepped in while I was respecting your time remotely. There's a crisis developing in workplaces everywhere. According to an annual survey by Gallup, an employee, employee engagement dropped to a seven-year low in 2022. Only a third of workers reported feeling engaged at work, while almost 18% described themselves as actively disengaged. If an institution's concern is mainly what's best for each staff member, however, rather than what's good for the institution and its member clients, if that's where the pendulum has swung, then how can it function? And is that desirable? The demands to have more time remotely don't seem to be helping. We're at the entrance of our tents, still often on Zoom, Slack, Facebook, TikTok, Google Teams, sharing our stress in the chat, getting sticks and carrots to come back in person. Google requested return to the office in April. Ironic is a company that has made its money on developing tools for remote work, and people didn't return. So now they're saying, performance evaluations and bonuses will be based on how often you are physically in the office with your coworkers. Right? They're enforcing in-person work, according to company notice in the past month. They say, for those who are remote and who live near a Google office, we hope you'll consider switching to a hybrid work schedule at least. Our offices are where you'll be most connected to Google's community. It's ironic, but they have been followed with Salesforce, who created Slack and who publicly praises remote work, and yet privately in their memos to people, try to manipulate them into returning to work. Meta, face, Meta, Facebook, Apple, and Amazon are all saying they cannot function without people returning into work. So why are these companies forcing return to the office? It's hard to say exactly. What's that magic that happens? It, there's no word that's good for it. Is it the, water, the, the talk at the water cooler in surveys of remote employees saying, do they believe in these hallway conversations? They say it's like a belief in magic. It's wishful thinking, but it doesn't exist. Doesn't it? What is it about collaboration and the skills of working together? Is it the brainstorming? And then I think, well, the 70 elders of Israel, they're prophesying together, they're brainstorming. But I'll tell you, I've been at a lot of board retreats, not always as a rabbi, but in my prior life. 
I don't think we ever remember the ideas that come out of the board retreat, right? So you've got to ask yourself if the point was to create the ideas and now we've got a future plan. I think it was being together. I think it was the energy. I mean, the word is prophesy. It's not, you know, they laid out plans or they followed God's instructions and God told the elders, please deliver these instructions with people and get it going. You're now part of the hierarchy. I think the Torah is speaking to our time. The pendulum swung, not only because of the pandemic, but because it needed to, because we weren't following directives of Torah. But now it swung to a place where we're struggling to even relate to collective identity, and it's hard to find a collective word even to describe the skills of feeling like you're part of a team. There's a communication that happens with proximity, and it's a skill that we're rapidly losing. It facilitates the kind of communication that makes marriages successful, that makes covenants successful. We need to relearn it, and we need to relearn it fast. In the last three years, Finland has been labeled the happiest country of the world. I always think that that really needs a Rashi with it, um, rather than taking it at face value. But there is a word in Finnish called takut, Talkut is an old Finnish word that translates to working together to do something that one would not be able to do alone. In agricultural times, it was when someone had a big project at their farm, such as building a barn roof. They'd hold a talkut. Today, we Jewishly, and we in our personal lives, need to reflect on our need for the prophesying, the need for talkut. Shabbat shalom.